Fellas, say goodbye to Chuck Sherman the boy. I am now a man. I highly recommend you join the club. We are doing the wild thing all night. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Sherman. Sherman, I could build this food. Is that all you gonna eat? General Sherman realized and understood the importance of house music. So, do you know anything about techno? No. Listen. Yeah, you know. Yo, yo, what's good, everyone? And welcome back to another brand new episode of Sherman the Booth. I'm, of course, your host, Sherm. Today is Wednesday, September 29, 2021, and this is episode 179. Hope everyone's summers are rounding out well, and a big shout out to everyone showing mad love last week for the fifth anniversary of Sherman the Booth. Your support means so much. But now back to business. We've got an amazing interview for you today and an extremely talented musician who also doubles as a DJ producer. He goes by the name Rafi, and it was such a blast getting his full story in this episode. In episode 179, we got it all in and started by talking about his early inspirations and influences. Born and raised in Southern California, Rafi has always had a strong affinity for music. However, it all started with Guitar Hero, same here though, and he quickly realized he wanted to play guitar for real. In middle school, he joined a band and fell in love with performing and knew he wanted to pursue music as more than a passion. Fun fact, he can also play the violin, viola, drums, and piano. Can I get a sheesh? We also had a great conversation on how he actually took this passion into a career. As a USC student, Rafi was exposed to tons of different cultures and a diverse student community that inspired him on so many different levels. He started DJing and found himself becoming the life of the party and was enamored by the energy he could create through various types of music. He quickly found success as a DJ, performing at top clubs in Los Angeles like Nightingale, Shorebar, and has even supported artists like A.T. Slater and Dr. Fresh. Needless to say, this kid's got it. Of course, we talked about his music productions. Throughout 2020, Rafi buckled down in the studio and put in work trying to create music that would speak to the masses. His first release, titled Drive, perfectly encompasses how his original foundation of authentic artistry can be seamlessly translated into electronic music. He followed up with a beautiful remix of Ali Baron's t-shirt and he has some serious unreleased heat that will be available very soon. The song in the background is actually his right now if you listen closely. As soon as I listened to Rafi's music, I knew that he was something special. Now, after getting to know him, I can honestly tell you this guy is going to be big. He understands music in a different way than most, and it's not hard to tell. Much love and respect, my man, and thank you for coming on the show. So let's get into it right now so you can hear his story for yourselves. This is episode 179 with Rafi. Ladies and gentlemen, hello, hello, and welcome to a special remote interview of Sherm in the Booth. I am so pumped to be here right now with my man, Rafi. Rafi? Yes, sir. We got online, man. I was talking you up, and the talk is real, bro. The hype is real. You are so incredibly talented, and I feel like I'm getting you on the show before things really pop for you, so I appreciate you taking some time to come in the booth. I appreciate it, boss. Thank you so much for having me. I'm fucking excited. Let's do this. I'm just noticing, do you have a gamer headset on right now or are those DJ headphones? No, dude, these are my V-Modas. Oh, V-Moda yeah. guy, dude. Those are good. You got to have over ear, right? On ear just yeah. is not good. No, I've been producing with these for like the last eight months and clean mixes. I love it. The really? bass is, is very true. You can, it, They're kind of bassy, so sometimes yeah. your bass gets a little too hot. 
these will, these will humble you. <laughs> there, well said. I like that. V-Moda. So do you produce with uh, monitors or headphones every time? So lately, I live in LA in an apartment, so yeah. I can't really blast shit that loud. I, have, I share yeah. a wall with the chick. She's already called me out a couple of times. So <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I just produce with these. Um, but I've been wanting, I, I just, I love feeling the music. So yeah. I'll produce in these and just uh, whatever I produce, I'll just play it in my car and just blast it. So there you go. Yeah. You got to do the car yeah. test. Car test is very important. <laughs> very important. I respect that. I personally have to use monitors. Like I can do headphones for like some mixed down stuff, but mm -hmm. I'm like you, I have to feel it, bro. I have oh, hundred percent. Yeah. I miss that. That's the only thing where th this apartment could use a little soundproofing and Mm -hmm. I wish I could blast the shit, but next, next apartment, we're good. You're, we're good. Exactly. You're just getting started. One day you'll have an Eric Pritt studio and you won't have to worry about oh, that. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. That would be <laughs> nice, man. That would be nice. So I like to always start off these interviews uh, with a fun question and you're a multi-instrumentalist that's been playing music for a long, long time. So you're 15 years old, right? Yes, sir. Yes, oh, sir. Watch out. I told you I did my research, bro. I could probably, I'll, I'll answer the questions for you. How about that? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's fine, bro. <laughs> but you play violin, the viola, right? I, I haven't, I haven't seen that in so fucking long. Yeah, man. It just, the only difference between those two is we got a low C on that guy. So the okay. viola has a little more resonance, more deeper sounding. Mm, I like yeah. that. Um, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, I see, Robbie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the violin, the viola, the drums, piano, and guitar. My question is, what is your favorite instrument and why? Favorite instrument is electric guitar. Got it. uh, it's kind of like the foundation. I feel like it embodies me as a musician, producer, and everything. It's like my first memories of like music was actually through Guitar Hero. <laughs> I went over to my boy's house. Yes, me yeah, too, bro. dude. No way. That's, that's fun. I love Guitar Hero. Oh, yeah. dude. So in like sixth grade, I go to my friend's house and he has like every gaming console in the world. And he's like, what do you want to play? And I see like a fake guitar. I'm like, oh, what's that game? So we try it out. It was like Guitar Hero 80s, like the 80s one that they did. <laughs> and I started like playing it and I was like, oh, this is super fucking fun. Like, oh my God, this is sick. And then I begged my parents. I was like, I really want Guitar Hero. Like, please, please find me Guitar Hero. They're like, get good grades and then we'll get you Guitar Hero. So got good grades, got Guitar Hero. Yep. And I think I was in fifth grade. It was the summer of fifth grade going to sixth. And I became obsessed with that game, man. Like I'm telling you, I was putting in like hours in that. And I got to the expert level. <laughs> like Dragon Force, yeah, bro, you're crushing it. And I was just like, I just beat the game. And I was like, all right, I think it's time to actually learn the real guitar. And, <laughs> and then very mature. So like, yeah. Yeah. It was about time. And then I remember hearing sweet child of mine by guns and roses, that iconic intro riff. And I was like, I need to learn that. Yeah. So I like begged my parents again. I was like, I need a guitar, please. Blah, blah, blah. We went to guitar center and my first guitar was an Ibanez micro. It was like a three quarter guitar, super yeah. tiny guitar. And, uh, that's kind of what got me into music right there. And then kind of the rest is history. Just, just played a bunch of music. Um, I would lock myself in my bathroom and just like shred for hours, like after school, during middle school. And then it got to the point where I was like at a, like an art school uh -huh. or like a jam session type vibe. Sure. And I was like ripping eruption by Van Halen, like the little tapping part. Yeah. And the guy was like, yo, like, do you want to be in a band? And I was like, yeah, fuck yeah. Like, I love, I love playing in a band. That'd be awesome. How old were you at this point? Though? I was in sixth grade. So like 12, maybe. Yeah. Like 12, 11, maybe. Yeah. You've yeah. been in the game. 
yeah i've been yeah i've been ripping guitar for a minute now um but yeah that, that was kind of how it all started guitar hero man <laughs> unreal did, wait yeah. so, like the transition from guitar hero to actually playing guitar did you have like a teacher or mentor or did it just come no I, I was all self-taught i just youtubed everything wow. that i wanted to learn and just worked really hard at it and yeah you loved it though you genuinely loved it like you oh it was it was an insane passion like i i was like obsessive with it you know like yeah. every, i couldn't stop thinking about playing guitar learning certain riffs mm -hmm. and yeah it was it was cool <laughs> parents musical at all or what was it like growing up for you my parents have no music like they're not musical they, they're <laughs> so not musical like like but i must give them props they have a great music taste Okay. So okay. I, was, I was surrounded by great music my entire life. So mm -hmm. I, I owe them that they, they have the rhythm down. So That's yeah, they, they can't play anything though. So it's hilarious. <laughs> Do they love your style <laughs> these days though? Yeah. They're, they're the most supportive parents ever. So I love them. Awesome. What are their names? What's up? What are their names? Uh, my mom is named Mariana and my dad's Raphael too. So Mariana, Raphael shout out. Thanks for believing shout in out. Me. <laughs> supported and eats from day one i love it that's awesome man and you're originally from los angeles right um i'm actually from orange county so like <laughs> south right. it's uh, the most southern city in orange county san clemente ross san clemente yeah 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 have that's you ever been there i i have heard about it i haven't been down there i need to though you need you need to make it out there for sure I do, bro i need to it's chill out after the summer i've just had yeah i i dude i love chicago and the big city and all that shit but you west coasters bro you just you're like you're wired different i just want to be out there just like relax <laughs> yeah i feel that the weather just is just so nice man can't, i can can't be happy and chill right i'm not, I'm, always, I'm always stoked 24 7 always stoked 24 7 did you have any friends that you were playing with so you got into the band when you were in sixth grade sixth grade yeah so um so this kid named xander he lived in san clemente as well he kind of like formulated a band mm -hmm. and um, we found actually this insanely talented singer named Sabrina through on a Craigslist app, kind of random. Wow. And um, she came and auditioned for us and like fucking killed it. And we're like, oh my God, you're, you have a great voice. So we started gigging. Um, we had like our parent, uh, one of the parents was a manager for us and kind of got us all these gigs. Like we played OC Fair, San Diego Fair. And wow. then towards my later middle school uh, years, we started playing gigs on the Sunset Strip like the Viper Room, Roxy, Whiskey at Go-Go, kind of like the main popping clubs. What? And yeah, that's kind of like where I first started performing when I was in middle school. Damn, that's awesome. What was the name of the band? Um, Sabrina and Minor Aftershock. <laughs> <laughs> the most middle school name ever. Dude, that is, that is School of Rock right there. It, dude, it was, if you think of School of Rock, like, yes, that is, that is spot on except jack that. black was in the picture though we didn't yeah didn't yeah <laughs> i fucking love that movie no i i'm envisioning it all now that's so special what, yeah, a, what a cool, cool thing for you to like have an opportunity to do at that point in life though oh it was it was super cool and like it's definitely like a unique really new experience because like i was playing sports my whole life uh -huh. like soccer basketball football and then i just dropped it and fell in love with music honestly so wow so then what happened in high school you continue to pursue the passion so yeah, I went to an art school, freshman, sophomore year called OSHA. And mm -hmm. that's actually where I discovered music production. Mm -hmm. Basically how that school was set up is we have like different blocks. So we have three blocks of academics, each an hour and a half long. Okay. And then 
we have this thing called break seven where it's like our lunch. And then after that, we have two more blocks, which is like our conservatory. My conservatory was commercial music. And each day we had two different classes. One would be music theory, one would be beginning drums, wow. one would be beginning singing, you know, just the kind of like wow. branching you into all these different musical things, just kind of like, you know. And I remember, I'm never going to forget, it was on a Monday, we go into this like production lab with all these like state-of-the-art Macs, and I opened up Logic Pro 9, like super OG shit, <laughs> and started like making these beats, and like I was like, holy shit, you can literally make whatever you want, this is fucking awesome, like I need to do this. And yeah. that was kind of the start of the whole production, was uh, through that. Wow, so you were producing before you were DJing then? Yeah, so I I wasn't really like that serious. It was more like fucking around with samples and stuff like that. Sure. And then I didn't I didn't really start getting serious with that until like my later years of college. Um, okay. That was just it was just always a hobby, really. Right. Yeah. It's hard to take things that like that are I mean artistic super seriously. Like okay, if I commit to this now, I can build a career and make money by the time I'm in college. You don't yeah. think about that. You're trying to like hook oh. up with girls on the weekends and drink a <laughs> alcohol without them knowing, right? Yeah, I, pretty pretty spot on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's all the same. West Coast, Midwest, East Coast, bro. We're all troublemakers. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's awesome. So where'd you go to college then? Um, I went to USC University of Southern California. Amazing. That's, how, that's actually how I met my boy Wyatt, who's currently yeah. managing me right now. We're in the same fraternity. We played together. Go. What fraternity? Uh, we were Sigma Chi's. Sigma Chi's. I knew a yes. lot of Sigma Chi's. That's awesome. Great, yeah, great college was, experience, though. I bet. Oh, I mean, it, it was the best four years of my life. Honestly, I still think about it every day. <laughs> <laughs> you peaked. You peaked, Robbie. Come on. Oh no, we're never peaking. We're never peaking. <laughs> What's the, what's like the, the party scene like at USC? I mean, obviously it's so well known for its sports. It's a beautiful girls frat scene. I mean, pretty like fucking crazy. Yeah, bro. Like give it to me. I want to know. Pretty fucking crazy. So we have, uh, we have our tailgates, our game days where it's, it's a shit show. I mean, uh, we were in Simcai, like I said, so we had this thing called the pit where we would just pack like 300 people in this like small little like pit it's like kind of terrace so everyone would be like on different floors and different sections of it oh, and shit. i would just spin in wampers and it was it was just epic like the energy there was actually like unreal because everyone just so down everyone's in it for like the same reason to like yes. you know what i mean just a party and like we have a big game coming up so it was all-time energy i i miss that shit so much but that's awesome. pretty crazy what when and then uh we had tailgates and then we all oh, sorry you were DJing those parties right yeah that's kind of like how i honestly got started with like fully kind of pursuing djing was like in college i mm -hmm. never really like dj'd in high school um i had a turntable but i didn't really like dj and then uh, i dj'd like a tailgate it was a ucla or the texas usc tailgate and it was just like the craziest shit ever and i was like i kind of like doing this like i'm gonna keep running this <laughs> and uh yeah that's how we got started that's awesome so the pit bro you felt the energy you were you were getting back to your your middle school high school days except on <laughs> yeah. the pit the pit went off for sure you could say that what kind of music were you spinning back then um so i would definitely was playing like a little more rap like 70 bpm shit you know like drake and then I would always kind of like increase the BPM level as like the party went on. So by the end of it, I was running like 128 house. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's kind of how it went. But 
uh, towards the later years of college, though, I would just strictly run in house. Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> you got into it. You got it. Yeah, yeah, for sure, man. I mean, and, and I feel like that, you know, college is college to a certain extent, but in a, a part of California like where USC is, it's just a, a still a big melting pot of different cultures and diversity and, and so many different types of musical influences. Did you oh. have like a homie group that was like getting into house or were like you the guy that were kind of no. educating people, so to speak? No, I, I actually kind of got, I was kind of late in the house. Honestly, I was, uh, I was super into like trap my, like through high school. Like I like huge, the trap was like the peak of EDM, like mm-hmm. just that halftime, just banger shit that I just love. Arl Grime. Oh dude, Arl Grime was sick. Uh, Stucky Sound, uh, mm-hmm. all the OGs. But, and then during college, it's like when I really got immersed in the house, cause I just realized that everyone loves it. <laughs> you can't really not dance to house, you know, it's just like such a groove. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, through college, it definitely like inspired me to like produce that type of music for sure. Yeah. Just judging by like the crowd reaction, just the amount of energy. Like I've never seen a musical genre, like affect a certain demographic like house. So yeah. yeah. For sure. I, I know the feeling too. I, uh, I started DJing in college and you get really great opportunities in college, especially like within a frat and within a scene. And mm. I came to Chicago and was, got very humbled thinking it was going to be kind of a, Oh, I opened for this person. I've DJed this party and people are like, nobody really fucking cares, bro. You know, I've been doing this here for five, six, seven years. And you went and got a lot of opportunities in LA though. What was it tough for you at first? Or did you have a lot of connections already? Yeah. So actually I got introduced into like the nightclub scene in LA through a mutual uh, connection from USC. Mm-hmm. He was a promoter who was kind of organizing these like low key events. Sure. And I was, I think I was a sophomore in college when I did like my first set. Um, it was called 41 ocean. It's in like Santa Monica, nice. kind of like a, like a little, little club vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I like, I met the promoter through SC and then played, killed the set brought a bunch of people and he's like, all right, we would love to have you like every Friday, every Saturday, blah, blah. blah. So that's that kind of like the, the whole start of it was just through a mutual connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. That's, that's kind of why you go to USC though. Like you meet just insane people, you know, it's, it's How crazy. Are actually from California to go to USC. Is it pretty, a pretty big state school? There's What's a there? lot of kids in California, but there's also a bunch of kids from like just all over the country mm-hmm. i'd say but i think like predominantly california i'd say yeah a lot of like o- orange county kids go there for sure that's kind of um you know i just from the outside looking in the stereotype of la is it like it's a lot of transplant people but this is episode 177 bro i've interviewed a lot of people that have moved to la moved back diehard la and there's everybody kind of like from my experience says there's the transplant part of LA and those are the people that are from LA that really make up what the city is. I feel that. Yeah. I feel like a lot of people from like out of state come to LA with like, yeah, like they just switch their persona, you know, like they have to fit the whole LA image and shit, but you know, it's, it's not like that really. You just got to find a good crowd for sure. Yeah. Like any other place, man. I, I think that's what makes it so cool is like, there are a lot of people that come trying to pursue their dream for, for better or for worse sometimes. But that's that's awesome that you were able to get opportunities right away. DJ in the clubs. You got you got the bug, didn't you, Rafi? Oh yeah. It was it's addicting for sure. Yeah. For sure. So when did you when did you really start taking the brand more seriously? Like was it 
after college like it was it was for sure uh post-college um so like i graduated december uh so fall 2019 mm -hmm. and then three months later covid hit and i was just like what, what the fuck am i gonna do like i know i love music i know i have this like insane work ethic when it comes to that producing music like what am i gonna do okay. and i think of covid being like a blessing in disguise for me it kind of allowed me to just fully devote to production for a year like yeah. no bs just learning shit experimenting shit because like i was going to college like i never really had time you know to just sit down and like put in the hours yeah and then so like after i graduated during covid i put in the hours and started getting some really cool sounds kind of like developing my sound mm -hmm. and i feel like this whole artist project started officially like me and Wyatt talk about it in like february we got settled in la it's like what is that six what is that seven months ago yeah like yeah so yeah that's when like we kind of like we're like all right we're gonna fully go balls to the wall we're gonna treat it as a nine to five produce you know be more active on social media post reels you know and ever since then yeah it's just been kind of like a grind but i love it i love it <laughs> that's awesome man and congratulations to you on all your success so far you've got two releases out to the world that i want to talk about uh drive and your remix of t-shirt I want to start with Drive. Drive was your first release, right? Let's check this one out real quick before we discuss it. This one's called Drive by Rocky. That was, that was my first official release with the, the new alias. Yeah. Pretty fucking good, my guy. It's a really, really special take on new disco and house. And I love the sound design and I love the pace, um, which Appreciate is it, so important with being unique in house music, which to people who aren't exactly house heads, maybe like us, it sounds like all the same. But you listen to this track for 30 seconds, you can tell it's, it's more than a track. It's a composition. I feel that man it means a lot. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was kind of cool. I, I wrote that in like a couple, four hours, I think four or five hours. I found a really cool like synth that I really fucked with that I knew I could like manipulate Yeah. yeah. and then added just some processing. And then, uh, the groove was super chill. Like I, I, I always write my drums, my drum bus first, and it was like kind of flowing. And I was like, I think I need like a little synth in there. And then I found the right synth and we just kind of just arranged it based off that. So it kind of it came, it came about pretty quick. For sure. I mean, that, that couldn't have been your only work in progress, though. Did you have a lot of tracks that maybe could have been released? Why did you choose for this one to be your first? Yeah, I mean, I just felt like it was just a really, really cool first track, kind of get some like my name out there. It's, this is what I'm about. You know, yeah. there's little guitar riffs in there, super chill groove. And, and me and my, my boy Wyatt thought it was the best one out of all the other ones. There you go. I really yeah. love it. And it, it's so cool. And I, uh, I absolutely love that sound because I think it's so versatile because one thing for our day and age, right? Like as artists these days, we have to learn to adapt or unfortunately die. And you have to make music sometimes that's more streamable, 
and sometimes mm -hmm. more playable for DJs. And the, the one you can really, really tiptoe that line or maybe even be on that balance beam in the middle, that's mm -hmm. when you can really, um, like I said, be versatile with following, getting DJs to play your music. Like this song, I listened to it and I was like, I could play this at a festival. I could play this at a nightclub. I could listen to this on a car ride. I could put it on at the beach with my homies. Like it took me to a lot of different places. And I think that's so cool. Thanks, bro. Means a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah. I, ju I just think that just all about like the simplistic kind of vibe of it, you know, mm -hmm. shit kind of just like loops and it just flows. So I, I really appreciate the kind of words. Absolutely. Less is more. You so are you still using logic then? No, I God, no. Oh no, no. Oh, no. Oh, oh dude. I dude, after getting like the system overloads. Oh my god. Yeah, I'm like, all about my the system overloads, bro. It's oh so dude, cool. no. Um, I switched to Ableton my junior year of high school, actually. Okay. So yeah. So, so my boy actually uh grew up with them, one of my best friends, CJ. Mm -hmm. Uh he's something something, kills oh. in the trap game. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Been a minute since I've heard that name, but I know it. Yeah, that's that's my fucking boy. Uh, wow, but awesome. he's the one who kind of like got me into Ableton. He's like, bro, like Ableton's way better. Blah blah. blah. I was like, okay, sure. And sure enough, I just love the workflow of it. Um, obviously, the system overload thing never happening is a clutch. <laughs> and uh, I just it just felt right, you know. For sure, it's the DAW for me. Was was something something a, a bit of a, a mentor for you, or like were you going to YouTube University throughout the pandemic and even before? Like, how did you? So really honestly, yes, that's a good question. So basically, uh, me and CJ were we like we were competitors, right? Like we were pushing each other to producing like as super cool stuff, sure. and we would like we would YouTube shit. So like we would both be like, oh, I learned how to sidechain, like check this out. Oh, I learned <laughs> how to use this compressor. I learned how to EQ. So we were kind of like teaching each other shit. Um, and then he went to Icon Collective and just awesome. like perfected his craft. And then I went to USC. So I couldn't really produce really. I was more like trying to get an education and stuff. My parents really wanted me to, to do that. Sure. First. Yeah. I, I've interviewed a lot of people that have been to Icon, a lot of friends. And um, what's really cool about Icon too, besides them teaching you music theory and strategy and structure is the business side. And totally. I think that's a, a lost part all too often. And you, you, what was your major in college? Cause you studied, what was I was it? a business major. Yeah. And I mean, obviously being creative, you thought about the music industry and how involved business is. How do you, how, how yeah. were you, I mean, was that a huge part of building this brand too? being like, this needs to be a revenue perspective as oh, well? For sure. I mean, like from a business standpoint, it's like, it's all about making money, right? Minimizing right. costs and just like generating as much revenue. So Right. Uh, seeing my manager, Wyatt, right now, he's also very business driven. Mm -hmm. So I feel like having that mindset is you need that for music. I mean, I feel like people overlook that. It's, it's I feel like it's mostly a business and it's like music second um, in terms of like your marketing, you know, the way you present yourself, your whole brand, um, trying to reach your song, like your product to as many listeners as possible. You know, it's like selling a product pretty much. So Sure. There's a lot of similarities between that, but luckily I did have, I, I minored in music industry. So I had, I had a little bit of music. It wasn't just like, like accounting and shit like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were all, you were always having a fun time anyway with music right at the core. It sounds like. Definitely. Definitely. Love it, man. And yeah. so I gotta, I gotta tell you this t-shirt remix, bro, by Allie Barron. Let's check this one out right now. This one's called T-Shirt by Ali Barron in the Rafi remix. Hey, 
never heard this original song before. And I put it on, I think, when somebody originally sent me your information. I was like, All right, I'm, I'm going to check out. I like, if somebody has a remix, I like to check that out because I, I love a good remix. 100%. And I played this shit five times in a row, bro. Literally five <laughs> times in a row. Like, I, I love it. Like, Thank I, you, man. I, can I download it? I need to put that on my USB. Yeah, I'll, I'll send that shit to you after this for sure. It's so fucking good, dude. And it's like, it's a pure remix to me. You know, it's like, it's not just like an edit or a bootleg or something that was switched up a little bit. Sometimes mm. in the remix game, it's just like to get somebody's name on there. But you you self-released this, right? Yeah, it was an independent uh, yeah. release. So you you connected with the song and wanted to even make it more your own, right? Yeah, so I actually met Ali. She went to USC as well. Okay. Um, so I met her through that and we we're just kind of talking about like life and like what we're doing after college. And she said <laughs> she was fully pursuing music as well. And I was like, oh, we should like, we should do something together, blah, blah, blah. She's like, okay, a couple months, fast forward a couple months. And then uh, she released that t-shirt song. And mm-hmm. then I heard it and I was like, okay, cool. Like, I really love the melodies in this. Mm-hmm. I just think the production could just be elevated, you know, a little bit. Yeah. And, um, and then, so that's really cool that you say it's like a pure remix because I approached this remix with my guitar first. That's kind of how I like, I write chord progs. Okay. Um, I just find like a couple chord progs where, I feel that fit that vibe. Yeah. And when I plugged in my guitar, wrote those chords, I was like, okay, yeah, like this, this could be something super sick. So I kind of like approached it with guitar chords, uh, did a couple takes, panned it left and right. Um, and then the vocal recording was like kick ass. Like I, I really didn't have to do that much. She like recorded in like a cool studio. Voice. Yeah, no, she killed that. Like she really did. Yeah. And then, yeah, that song, honestly, I started writing that at 9 p.m. <laughs> uh, after a gym sesh, and then I like finished at 5 a.m. It was like my first nine to five all nighter. <laughs> I was just like so in it, bro. I was just like in my room, just like I gotta finish this. I can't go to bed. Like, oh man, it's awesome. Yeah, it was. That was a cool one. I felt like that was like an embodiment of like all this production techniques I've learned during COVID. You know, we got some pianos. Like, uh, I did some cool things with like the stereo imaging with that that I hadn't really fucked around with before, mm-hmm. and. uh yeah, like the whole bass design, I like layered three different bases, had like a low sub, mid sub, high sub. And yeah, it was just, it all fell together pretty nicely, but wow. yeah, I'm stuck on it. Very impressive, bro. Thank you, bro. Appreciate it. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that style too. That's, that's another track that's again, to me, very versatile. Like I, I, when I listened to both of these songs, I was at least hope that a song will put me in a mental place. Like I mentioned before, you know, like sometimes when I am trying to feel inspired, I'll listen to a reference track that then makes me think about that time I was at the club too late and I stayed just because this song came on, you know, or because 100%. I listened to this song going down at sunset and me and my friends always talk about that moment. And like, yes, both, both of these songs like made me feel like I was in a special place. So I just want to acknowledge you for that. I think you got a real emotional aspect to your music. That's super dope. Thank you. I really appreciate it, man. Reverb helps a lot with that. Yes, it does. <laughs> <laughs> reverb really, really gets the vibes going. <laughs> I love, what's your, what's your, what reverb plugin do you use? So I was using vintage verb Valhalla. Right. And then I was using H verb from waves. And oh. then my, my main reverb right now is just the Valhalla room. It's Dude, so good. That's my go-to. It's it's, it's, a go. it's it's just perfect. You don't really have to fuck with settings. I, I saved a couple presets. Um, I've been actually using that like uh like aux sends for my drum bus, like mm-hmm. on the claps. 
and just oh. having like a super short reverb with like yeah. the mix like at like 10 percent or whatever and yeah. just to give a little more depth yeah and it, it just it's so versatile you could add that reverb to anything really like dude i use it on so many different things and it's almost like I don't know if, if I if people try and put too much fucking toppings on sandwiches sometimes. And I'm like, bro, oh. just, like, just give me the mayonnaise. You know what I mean? A hundred percent, hundred percent. That's like with production too, is what I, like, I listened to my old shit and I was like trying to fit like 10 different hi-hats. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? You just need one open hat, couple, couple layers. You don't need more than three or four. Like, come on. Don't I reinvent the wheel. Right into that sandwich, Rafi. Yeah. Come on, bro. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but no, that it simplistic is, is, is nice it's and it, i feel like it's your mixes are tend to be better when you have minimal aspects to it because like you can limit the shit out of it it doesn't sound squash you preserve yeah. the transients really well so yeah no that's, that's great advice man i have a lot of a lot of producers up and coming and and established that i always like to listen to these interviews and i always love getting granular with plugins and stuff so i appreciate you opening up some people won't talk about their secrets but i like your style oh dude you got it you got to tell the people man I hate people that don't tell secrets. Like, Me too. I usually get it out of them by the end of the interview. Oh yeah. No, I'll tell you any, any secret. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I also got two of your unreleased tracks. I'm hoping you'll at least let me share. Cause during the interviews, I actually, I cut to a clip of the song. I heard Luna. You played yeah. that in the Stratus sessions mm -hmm. um, set. All right, let's peep some unreleased heat. This one's called Luna by Rafi. is fucking tribal like deep like it is not driving t-shirt like what 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 happened to you one day yeah man so i feel like during that uh since the start of february i was just like producing stuff that you know it was cool uh that sounded good like yeah that's funny that you say that because you listen to driving t-shirt then you hear fucking luna you're like what the fuck happened but uh it's that's definitely more the direction where i want to go is like that tech house and before we didn't really have like a clear vision but now we're like we want to get into this tech house scene. We want to make sure that's unique, stands out. And I feel like Luna embodies that. And it's kind of like from there on forward, it's like, that's the shit that you should expect from me. Okay. That would you answer my question there. I was going to say, I mean, the cool part is with you releasing a lot of different music is one, you're saying, fuck the status quo. I'm going to release whatever I'm passionate about right now, which will last longer in your artist's career rather than trying to follow a trend and, you know, imposter syndrome and stuff. But also, I'm excited to see as you continue to grow as a producer, you'll probably pull upon things from T-Shirt and Drive and also Luna. And you're going to have this like 
beautiful swirl of ice cream, bro. That's yeah, like man. so fucking I, I, I feel that. Like I love, I love like a nice chord prog that gets you in your fuels. And it's it's like it's pretty challenging to incorporate that with tech house, given like the whole minimalistic dark nature of it. But that's kind of like my ideal like mixture is like having like just beautiful buildups that just womp you, just hits you from left field. <laughs> Who's an artist that's currently inspiring you? Cause that's, that's uh, ringing a few bells for me right now. Uh, uh, Martin Nagin is like my favorite producer right now. He's yeah. fucking tight. He's literally has the best hi-hats in the game, dude. Like, I was just about to say Martin Nagin, Dom Dalla, you're, you're, you're talking about them right now, basically. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah. I've been, I've been listening to a lot of like his old shit and I just love his style. Like he's got such a fucking sick style and just love his baseline. Like his whole arrangement is so chill because it's very, it's very simple. Kind of like takes you point A, point B. It's not like, oh, like, you know, just always grooving. And I feel like arrangement is a huge part of making shit groove and stuff. So uh, definitely listen to a lot of Martin. <laughs> I love Martin Eichen. He's awesome. He's so special. And like a label like Tool Room to me too is, is a perfect example of sort of that where it's like very soulful, um but like you they're they have really underground sounds too and like they have a very versatile discography and like i don't know he hearing your style like i just kind of see you going along this really this really cool path of you know the martin Eye kings where it's like you have that raw energy of house and vocals and instruments but mm -hmm. what we can do with fucking sub bass these days bro like on the speakers that are available to us oh, dude, it's, it's crazy, crazy dude it's crazy, it's crazy. <laughs> It's so crazy. Oh, it's, it's not, it's, it's insane. I feel like it shouldn't be legal, bro. Hearing that much bass <laughs> can't be good for you. It's nuts. Like I still don't, I still, the fact that we have to wear fucking earplugs is kind of funny because like, <laughs> I need to start wearing earplugs, dude. You like, do, bro, you bro, do. like I'm just telling you, like there's, there's been some times where my ears just ringing, bro. It's bad. It's bad. It's like, It'll just be like for like days and yeah it sucks i need to, i need to be able to hear <laughs> and you do you do need to be able to hear and I, and I know like you it's it's that the energy when it's loud and it's live it's like there's yeah. nothing like it but like i'm telling you get you guys i recommend eargasm if you've heard of those before i think i have i think i got like an insta target ad from them actually oh uh, well now it's definitely gonna happen even if we're fucking not even on the internet right now some yeah. something is gonna hear it. i'm gonna go on my phone and get that it's gonna be yeah it's legit though even one of my friends who's like a big open format tech house dj you know blast the booth monitors i got him wearing them and he was like all right you're right like i can no, it's it's so, i mean it's the mature thing to do man it's like you know, like no one could see him you know whatever <laughs> all good protect yeah. your hearing bro it's That's not important. like you're wearing a shower cap yeah you're good <laughs> yeah no it's it's way more low-key there's honestly like fire fire uh earplugs i used to use like these monitors i got my ears like molded for one of these pairs yeah when i was in the band we had like we all like wore monitors and yeah. they're, they're chill yeah for cool. sure let's yeah. let's let's normalize wearing earplugs in the music game all right that's let's let's do it oh <laughs> yeah because of the fucking speakers that are available out there people. oh dude they're too loud too yeah. much sub yeah this ain't woodstock okay this is fucking ultra miami 2022 based in your uh, face <laughs> i can feel it through here i can feel it in california right now. <laughs> i love it bro so i want to um i want to ask you uh, about the strata sessions um because it is so fucking dope and it, it's a perfect transition really because i think another um artist group that sort of your style is encapsulates now is the gorgon city Mm -hmm. love gorgon city 
Um, again, another great example of like really soulful, uh, poppy, um, you know, melodies and, and everything oh, uh, really top to bottom. And then they'll fucking womp you with some mm -hmm. underground tech house drops, right? They're, they're sick. Oregon City is up there too, for sure, for inspiration, for Definitely. sure. And when I watched your, your Strata sessions, I just like, I was like, damn, like this, this is an act. This is a performer. Can, can you tell us about your experience? And we're going to show a clip of it too, before you start talking about it. But like, give yeah. me a the door on that, bro, because it was so fucking cool. Yeah, man. So I'm in my studio um, and I get a text from Wyatt. He's like, yo, Mason could come down to California the 26th. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, like of August. He's like, no, July. And I was like, oh, like in a week. And he's like, yeah, <laughs> he's like, he's like, start fucking formulating your set. And I was like, yeah. all right, let's do it. Yeah. And then, so I love using SoundCloud for, to finding like low key bangers, you know, cause I feel like, yeah fire heat with like a thousand plays you know and no one yes knows you're a minor yeah. bro soundcloud minor i see oh, dude soundcloud is like where i find a lot of good music but um so like i went through soundcloud and i knew we were going to be in like a crazy location in gibraltar just on top of like this insane mountain yeah so i definitely wanted to formulate the set in a way that kind of fit the atmosphere and the whole vibe of gibraltar mm -hmm. so i definitely like incorporated some more like tribal shit like you were saying a more like nature shit, you know, as opposed to just straight deck house for like right. an hour, like right. as you would hear like in a club or something. Right. But yeah, so I got, I drew a lot of like different inspirations and styles from that and then formulated the set. And I knew I wanted to incorporate some guitar in that because that's kind of like, I feel like that embodies who I like really am as an artist, and like a musician. Yeah. So I found these two super fire, like disco house, you've heard them, uh, disco house tracks mm -hmm. and found the key and just kind of wrote like some melodies over it. And I was like, oh, this is fucking sick. Like this will work perfectly. And I kind of like strategically placed them in like my guitar playing in like different parts of the set. Mm -hmm. So it wouldn't be like too much. Like I could easily play guitar on all of them, but you know, I didn't really want to do that. Yeah. So by doing that, I feel like it, it definitely like showcased who I really am. And I was just super stoked on the turnout. It was a bitch setting that shit up though, dude. Like I bet I like drive up. up so yeah, you drive up to a certain point and then there's like two different hills that you have to cruise up. <laughs> and dude, we, it was only four guys. It was, yeah, it was Mason, me and two of my buddies. And we were just sweating, bro. And not, not to mention it's 4,000 elevation. Yeah. Gas, dude. Like, it, like you can't breathe. It was like a weird, like, it's like breathing out of a straw. Like it was yeah. actually insane. And then, uh, yeah, we got the fucking generator up there. We got the amps, some PAs and stuff. And then, yeah, we just did like one take. Um, the most stressful part of it, though, was, uh, was getting the guitar level right with like the main yeah. track yeah. because it, it was all coming out of like one uh, channel. Like I wasn't separating the guitar as it's separate aux, like it, it was combined. So I'm glad the audio turned out right, though. Like, because if it turned it didn't, out, then it, like, it would have been fucked. <laughs> but, we pulled it off. We pulled it off. It was super cool. Super cool experience. Um, got to meet Mason, fucking homie. Dude, props to you. That's like, you went the full distance, bro. I, I know what, it, I, I don't know if I've ever done something like that, but I've, you know, built up a whole stage and tore it down myself and just, just standing there at the end, like, God, this is fucking a lot of work. It but was so much work, dude. But at the end of the day, like, I'm so glad we did it. You know, it was, it was, it was, it needed to happen. You know, it was definitely like a little preview of what I could do live. So yeah, definitely. And you got featured on yeah. dancing astronaut too. Congratulations on that, bro. 
Thanks, man. That was a good surprise. I was stoked on that. Yeah, it was awesome. Pretty, pretty fucking cool, I'd say. Uh, I was, I was, I was stoked. <laughs> yeah, it was awesome. cool to see my face up there. So yeah, yeah. When I interviewed Mason, I asked him a lot about um, his Stratus sessions and his inspiration for it. And uh, I mean, we, we could both say it time and time again how great of a guy he is. But it's coming from such a selfless place where he wants people to be able to enjoy the music live, whether they actually, whether they actually can or can't. Right. So like that was such a, a new take on, you know, a DJ Susan back-to-back Chris Diaz and Kyle Walker back-to-back West End. And then we got Rafi coming in with this like super unique scene, electric guitar style. And it's just like, it's awesome that he brought you in. And also that like you brought your fucking A game too. Thanks bro. I know I was, I was prepared, man. I, I grinded for like a week, make sure everything was right. And I'm, I'm super stoked how it turned out. It was, it was awesome. It was, was awesome. Your first like live, like live stream or like live recording. That you yeah, had? definitely. Deb, I had, I had done nothing like that. I was actually the first time I ripped guitar on anything really like, really? Yeah. Like, I'll, I mean, I would fuck around with it like in the studio and stuff, but like never live. That was like the first time. Yeah. Wow. Cool. I had, there we go. That's why we do these interviews, bro. Yeah. yeah that was the first, that was like the, the debut of what I could do for the future. Cool. So. Very cool. It's a great way to differentiate yourself and, and add to your resume. So congratulations on how that all turned out, man. I'm, I'm very impressed. It's also just like, it's weird. I, I was doing during the pandemic, I was doing these live streams and recording live sets and uh, kind of to keep myself entertained and excited about DJing. I would be like, all right, like, let me, you know, pretend it's a festival set. Like I did yeah. like a EDM, uh, you know, my favorite EDM songs of 2011 through 2013. I did like a trap set. I did like a power hour. And it was weird though, because like I'm used to a crowd. So I'm like, is, I'm like playing a song. I'm like, is this, is, is this a good song? Are people going to like it? <laughs> yeah. No, I feel good? that. No. Yeah. It's, it was definitely, yeah. It's, it's always like, I always put myself in that mindset when I'm going through like making a set. It's like, what, what would the reaction be here? You know, it's like crazy build up. Like, hopefully it goes off. Like, <laughs> It's fun. It's like a little guessing game. It is the life of a DJ. Yeah. The life of a DJ, bro. So speaking of the life of a DJ, it's a really interesting time right now in music, especially for house producers and house DJs, um, where house is not mainstream, so to speak. Um, but mm-hmm. it certainly is becoming a lot bigger. You look at people like Chris Lake and Fisher and Green mm-hmm. Velvet, Lane 8, Nora Pure. They're bigger than ever. And they're really... Mm-hmm. They're really, you know, across the OGs of house music down to people like, like me and you. And I want to ask, like, why you think that is? Uh, in terms of what? Like, how, like, why, why is house music as big as it's ever been right now? Why does it? I think, I think COVID had a lot to do with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I previously had no idea what, like, de- defected was, honestly, until, yeah. like, pretty recent. And I feel like during COVID, it just defected like put me on like this whole new wave of house music and i feel like that didn't happen to me it happened to so many people yeah and i also think that like trap all those like kind of sub edm genres come and go but there's something about like a 124 to 126 bpm groove that anyone could fuck with and yep. i feel like during covid people were like looking for new music maybe like they never knew what house was but when you hear a groove it's like yeah like this is it for sure and I think, like, honestly, the pandemic had to do a lot with that because no one could go to concerts and stuff. So they kind of like switch artists. They're kind of like branching off to different musical genres. And I think House just, that's why House is so successful, honestly. Absolutely. 
it, it's it's and it's the, the subgenres within house too have really made it grow as well you know there's something oh, for everybody there's so many i can't even keep track now <laughs> i can't even keep track people are coming up with their own shit and honestly that's because of what we talked about earlier like what producers are doing these days is unbelievable like it's yeah. it's fucking crazy there's no limits bro and like no limits there's more collaboration i think which has helped uh which is another silver lining of the pandemic that 100 producers uh experience and unexperienced were able to work with each other and collaborate and learn and um you know do sessions like i had some friends that did the repopulate mars course with uh lee foss and martin eichen and john summit mm-hmm. right like guys that are usually on tour five days a week that barely yeah. have to produce their own music are now teaching youngsters how to, how to side chain, you know, how to, how to, how to get that Martin Ike in hi-hat. So yeah. it's, where we're at now is, is in my opinion, the best time. in. Oh, and I, I seriously think it's only going to get bigger. Like I I'm list, like 102.7 kiss FM is like mm-hmm. literally playing house music at like 10 PM on Friday nights. Now it's like, what? <laughs> it's like the biggest pop. Like, and I think that's super cool about houses. Cause you could get an Ariana Grande, right. Pop vocalist, have a little groove over that house groove. And like, it could sell because it makes you dance and move. So that's another reason why I think house is just going to keep on rising. And Yeah. And it's really interesting. Like in the whole actual music consumption market, electronic music is still such a small sliver compared to rock and pop and mm-hmm. rap. And all that yeah. stuff. But you see those artists going and venturing into the house music lane because a lot of times house producers used to actually be like a dubstep producer or like a oh, rock and roll drummer. Yeah, trap, yeah totally. Right. And yeah. I think that's kind of part of it too, is when it comes down to it, this is a business, right. And you need to tour to make money. People aren't really looking to headbang and jump like they used to, but they are looking to dance more than ever. Before. Electronic dance music, man. <laughs> Signing oh. off. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. No, I feel like, a good example of that too is like my parents like don't really they don't really know what EDM is right like I'll show them some tracks and stuff right um, and then like I'll show them a, I actually did this the other day when I came and visited them I showed them a trap song for like 70 BPM mm-hmm. showed them like a Moomba song you know like that reggaeton vibe and then yeah. a house song just like different genres of dubstep and what do you think they like the more the house they they're like grooving and my dad's like i like the boom 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 i like that i was like yep that's that's house that's <laughs> on the floor, baby. Say too. they they grew up in the disco era and my oh. dad my dad yeah. finds it just incredible that i love disco you know and like yeah. that I'll, play Full circle. I'll, I'll play a b like i played a bg's uh mashup during my set at north coast and he was like i can't believe you played that and i'm like yeah i love this go more than you dad <laughs> <laughs> no that's what's cool i mean it's the roots it's fucking the roots right there is disco so it's so, awesome yeah I, and I'm, I'm happy about it too and you know I, I know you're a little bit younger in the game but you know you're familiar with techno elitists and house house people that are very stubborn right and like the fact that artists like David Guetta have an alter ego like Jack back and release on defected. The fact that Calvin Harris started an alter ego called love regenerator to make like acid techno. The fact that yeah. Lesso collaborates with pop vocalists and puts a, an underground tech house beat on it. And totally. a lot of people are like, I can't believe they would merge into our lane. I can't believe they would do that. And I'm like, dude, like you got to understand that is a good thing for people like me and yeah. I, because if Tiesto plays our deep house track on a stage, like 
Yeah. Awesome. That didn't used to happen. You know, like Afrojack would only drop some European guy's big room track. Now yeah. the lane to go down more than ever. And totally. I think it's the best thing that could ever happen to, to house producers. Totally. totally. And I feel like everything right now, it's like a very communal vibe in the house scene. Like everyone yeah. like respects each other. Everyone loves, like everyone's so supportive and stuff. So it's another reason why I think it's just going to keep on getting bigger, you know? For sure, man. It's, it's an exciting time right now. What's, what's going on with you though? You got any plans coming up the rest of this year? I know you got two IDs for sure. Yeah. Just, uh, what, what can you tell us? The goal right now. So we have that track coming out in October, that Luna track. And then I'm currently sitting on like four or five pretty solid songs that I think could get, you know, signed to the right label. So it's all about formulating a little game plan and, My goal by the end of the year is to have five releases on reputable tech house labels to start kind of creating that brand. And hopefully by the time those kind of come around, I'll be playing some, I'll be opening for other people mm-hmm. and starting kind of again the whole like festival game. Yeah. And just kind of start that way. But it just, it's all a grind right now, dude. Like I'm treating it like I'm so obsessed with producing right now that yeah. like I just, I'm going to do everything I can to, you know, get to that level. Yeah, Rafi, just a, a piece of advice from from one producer, one hustler in the game to another, bro. Whatever you do, just know that there are going to be times where no one's going to support you or it feels like no one is. But if you love what you do, if you genuinely love what you do, like this po- podcasting is like my passion, bro. Like talking to other people who love what they do is like my favorite thing. If it was only me, you, my dad, my mom and your mom and dad that listen to this episode, I'd be cool with that. Hell, I'd probably fucking, you know, hit you up when I'm in LA and be like, bro, nobody listened to that interview, but I loved hanging out with you, right? <laughs> no, I feel that, man. Yeah. It's fulfilling. It's fulfilling. And yeah. I, I just get that sense from you that like you are about the music and you understand the business, but what'll last longer is the genuine passion for bread and love. I mean, like, yeah, I, I love it. I can't even put to words. It's just like the, it's what I think about 24 seven when I'm in the shower, I'll be like singing a little groove. That's <laughs> always in my head. It's always in my head. So yeah, I appreciate, that. I appreciate the advice. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, it's a team game out here. And I think like, like we said, like more collaboration, the better collaboration over competition is kind of my, my new motto. And 100%. Uh, seems like everybody is about that too. And it didn't used to feel like that, especially in the beginning days. And now everyone's like, we're all in this shit together. Like it all comes back around. There's always going to be backstabbers, no matter what industry you're in, but. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Music is the best dude. It is. And we get to do what we love and it's awesome. We do. We do get to do what we love. Is Luna going to be self-released then? Uh, no, it's not. We got that signed with the uh, street tracks. Nice. Congratulations, bro. Thank you. That was the first one. Official release. Yeah. So that's like what you're asking me, like the kind of like the game plan after yeah. that release, you want to just keep that shit going. Like we never oh. want to have adult moments. Like after that release, okay, we're going to have another one in November or October, another one in December, January, like just keep on building. And like, we're just never going to stop until, until never actually, <laughs> we're going to keep on going. <laughs> Rafi, you got to give back to the SoundCloud community, bro. Cause you're taking thousand play tracks off there. You I know. Come back out there, maybe a remix, maybe a little edit, something like that, bro. Something, yeah, I'll, I'll do it. I mean, SoundCloud's dying. It kind of makes you sad. I mean, oh, it is dying. It has it, been dying. It's dying hard. Like it's, <laughs> it's not even funny. It's sad. I it hate is, to see it. It is sad. It sucks because I always talk about like the beginning days when like people like Blau went on a world tour by making mashups on their SoundCloud. I saw Blau back in the day. 
I opened for him back in the day. I thought it was the biggest moment of my oh, life, shit. right? Oh, and he, even he fucking adapted and started producing on his own, right? No, I feel that. Yeah, I mean, that's what's cool about music. It's like you have to adapt with the times, you know, like shit always changes. Shit comes full circle. So it's very important to not be so stuck up in a genre or stuck yeah. up in like a sound and just experiment. Yeah. And there's always going to be a new social media platform. There's always going to be a new way to share your music. Cause like totally 80% business, 20% music. And some might even say it's 90% business, 10% music, but the fact yeah. is people, people want to get an A plus people want to go to A plus shows. So if you got an A or A minus, I don't know how they do it in California, but in Indiana, 90 is an A minus. I'm looking to get to the 92, bro. You know what I mean? So yeah. keep creeping up that hundred percent. That's kind of how you show who you are. Cause hundred percent real recognize real out here that's for sure mm-hmm. right most definitely yeah bro but it's been it's been a it's been a fun road for me so far and it's just like it's cool when i can connect with somebody who's just kind of getting their feet wet but like is in it for all the right reasons bro and like i feel your vibe you're gonna you're gonna do something really really special with this brand i appreciate it man thank and thanks again for having me this is like such a cool experience it's like my first podcast ever just talking you did a great job Rafi, bro i mean dude i'm I'm just like i'm just another homie that's trying to be a dj too <laughs> i love that i love that you know no more no less but i i definitely want to stay in touch with you and uh, i'll work on getting some opportunities out here in chicago me you and mason can have a beer drinking contest how does that sound good luck bro good luck good luck bro <laughs> Uh, i've been known to drink a little bit a couple beers here and there yeah fucking sigma kai frat star over here bro <laughs> no no i don't like, like that. what is your beer uh favorite beer dude uh gotta go big wave i think oh god bro <laughs> what what's your fucking, fucking no it's, not, it's just that's just like such an la answer i feel like uh oh big wave is so dang it is. Good. Why? Come on. It is. You're right. You're right. You're right. I'm not gonna talk shit. I'm about to say fucking Lagunitas was actually founded. Okay. Honestly, the- that's that's fire. I, I respect that. Okay, but we can't have a we can't have a Lagunitas drinking contest. That will not end well for anybody. Oh, dude, no. That's way t- way too heavy. Way too heavy. Oh, let's let's maybe meet in the middle at like a Stella or something. We'll see what Macy can throw into the pot. We'll do a little Belgian beer. Yeah, that's fine. Belgian <laughs> beer. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. We'll we'll get a keg then while we're at it. How about that? Oh, might as well. You need to come to California. Do you have any plans on visiting soon? Yeah, for sure. I don't know if I'll be there in uh, this year, but in 2022 for sure, bro. You know, I'm doing a lot of things with the hood politics guys, um, and you know they're they're doing a lot in LA and San Diego. So I'll definitely be coming out there as soon as I can. Oh yeah, bro. Can't wait to be in person. Seriously. Me too, bro. You're a fucking young legend. You're the man. I appreciate you taking some time. It does mean a lot. No, thank you so much again, bro. This is super fucking fun, man. Much love, brother. Oh, shout out to your management, too. He's doing a good job of hustling out there. This, this he's he's working his ass off, too, bro. We all, have, we all share the same obsession of, of doing things, of big big things in-house. So it's That's cool right, Rafi. Awesome, brother. Well, thanks for taking some time, and uh, we'll chat again very soon, okay? All right, brother. Much love. Have a good night. Thank you.